Gareth was so confident. He just kind of went to Terry, I've got it, my turn, you know, and took the ball and he was so confident. And, and if you ask Terry, he'll probably say the same thing to you, you know, he's just, he was, he was so, okay, my, my go. And I went, okay, well, I'll, I'll take the next one if it's called to me. Amongst that list, Gareth Southgate. And Kepka saved it. And Germany are so close now. Hello, Luke here, popping in with a bonus Football Ramble Daily episode. You will all have hopefully heard Ramble Meets with Mark Pugach earlier in the year. We talked about his career, how he got to where he is today, some of his finest moments as a broadcaster, etc. But if you haven't heard that, um, do go back and listen to it when you get a moment. But I'm delighted to say, to celebrate ITV turning their attention to the classic tournament, and it is a classic tournament if you're around my age anyway, uh, of Euro 96, Mark joins me on the line live and direct right now hello mark how are you i'm absolutely fine luke thank you i can't complain uh, i live out in the country i've got some space the kids are back i mean my kids are quite big now they're they're back with us and we're doing fine and i think we've just got to hold on tight like we all have so i hope everybody listening is well and safe and is and is keeping their spirits up yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, I always feel like there are people out there far less fortunate than me. So I try to maintain a bit of perspective and, and do my bit where I can. But it is exciting that um, although we've got no Euro 2020 this summer, I know something you were looking forward to a great deal because you would have been front and centre of the coverage. ITV are instead turning their attention, as I said, to, to Euro 96. The TV coverage, I believe, starts today as we record this. So Monday, the 11th of May. There's some accompanying podcasts as well, aren't there, that you're presenting, interviews you and some of the good and great of the England team uh, around that summer. How's it been going so far? Tell us a bit about uh, how exciting a project it's been. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we have, if we're sports fans, not just football fans, watched a lot of old matches, haven't we, in the last four or five weeks? But I like the Quite. fact that ITV said, fine, yeah, we want to watch some old matches, but let's not watch some old matches in isolation. Uh-huh. Let's watch the entire <laughs> shebang. So they said, right, we're going to replay Euro 96 in full on the ITV hub and ITV4, and every England match is on ITV4 starting today, Monday the 11th, 6.15 England against Switzerland. So they rang up and said, right, we're going to do this, and we want to launch and we are anyway an itv football podcast so we said what better way to do it than to relive what happened in that glorious summer which so many of us remember very very well so we've basically done we've sort of loosely done an episode to go around each individual match with by and large an england player and somebody they played against but also to kick it off i've done and it's already released a best part of an hour-long episode with tony adams who is the england captain for euro 96 so that is out there already and I've got to know Tony pretty well over the years, and people will know his story, Luke, very well. But I have to say, every time I interview him about something, he surprises me even more with his candour. And the thing about Tony Adams in 1996, in his own words, it was his, his annus horribilis. You know, his whole life collapsed in 1996 on a personal level, with his injuries, with his drinking. Um, he stayed sober throughout Euro 96, but, but um, when it was over... In his own words, he went on a seven-week bender and then woke up one day and went, right, that is it. And he's mm. been sober ever since. So a really moving, searingly honest uh, window into somebody 
who for the rest of us must have been thinking, oh, my God, you were captain of England, you know, during Euro 96 with a tournament at home. That must have been the most astonishing experience on every level. And if you ever listen, Tony will tell you it was an astonishing experience on a football level, but on a personal level, he was all over the place. So maybe couldn't enjoy it in the way the rest of us could. So um, I hope people will enjoy that. And in England, Switzerland, um, we've reunited a couple of Tottenham teammates, Darren Anderton and Ramon Vega, um, and very entertaining. And of course, we go back, Luke, to before the tournament, starts Terry Venables uh, and if people are too young for this I hope they'll enjoy the stories England in in uh, Hong Kong where they all went out one night and got completely rat arsed um, mm. and started drinking in what came known as the dentist chair Paul Gascoigne Steve McManaman and everybody so lots of them re- reflecting on that as well and Mark do, do, as far as you're concerned I mean give us a reminder of what you were doing in the summer of 96 were you working across the tournament if, if so in what capacity and what are your memories of it so interestingly, I, I was at, I was working at Five Live, but I wasn't working on the tournament. So I was working on other sports. So England, Switzerland, I was in Newcastle at a World Championship boxing. So it was a weird thing because I think a bit like now, about a year before that in 95, uh, they, the UEFA um, allowed you to buy tickets for every game at Wembley. I'm a single mm. man. I thought, well, I'm going to do this. So I, I bought tickets two tickets for every game i don't i think four tickets for every game at wembley and two for the final anyway fast forward to euro 96 i couldn't go to most of the games but you know what it's like luke you and i be the same but it wasn't hard to say to pals here i've got four tickets no. 30 quid each go and have them so i watched the england switzerland game in a bar in newcastle i watched england scotland and gaza's brilliant goal in the sky sports compound at the us open golf which was in detroit uh, I then flew back. I watched England-Holland. I did go to it with my mates. England-Spain, one of my best pals, was getting married, who's a massive Chelsea fan. And I said to him, you are insane, Tommy. What are you doing? So we <laughs> missed the game. And I, I remember doing the speech and going, ladies and gentlemen, you know, went through the speech, a few laughs. I went, ladies and gentlemen, it's extra time. And we just ran, you know, after my speeches, ran to the <laughs> uh, to the kitchen, watched the penalties. And then England, Germany, I was working at Wimbledon, but I said to the boss, can I go on the early shift, please? Because I got four tickets for the semi and I went to the game. And then the final, I'm not ashamed to say it. I went up to Wembley and flogged my tickets to, I didn't, I, made, I think I made a bit of money, but I didn't take the mickey. I flogged my tickets to a couple of Germans. Yeah, to be, to yeah. be honest, I think, you know, I'm generally kind of diametrically opposed to ticket scalpers but having in the circumstances there mark i think yeah. that's absolutely fair that's yeah. that's an exception right there They've i didn't want to go i didn't want to go yeah i didn't want to go I, i'd said to my pal i was i got married in september and a pal of mine got married in august so i said to him if England get to the final your wedding present is you and me because i had two tickets going to the final but no that's lovely and i thought I, he, he didn't want to go to germany czech republic i didn't really want to go i was so gutted so i went up to wembley sold them yeah as i said made a few quid not much you know probably went to the pub and spent it all <laughs> i suspect yeah. i might know the answer to this question it's possibly a, a stupid one but it won't be the first stupid question i've asked in my <laughs> career so i'm going to press on anyway why did itv choose euro 96 for for this summer when we realized that 2020 wasn't going to happen why that tournament well, particularly i think they well because i think they wanted a euro link and it is you know in terms of uh in terms of the european championship for england it has been the most memorable hasn't it in living memory I mean, england's england's record of the european championship is pretty miserable isn't it if you think about it Euro 2000, yeah. obviously, uh, uh, was Phil Neville's tackle. Sorry, Phil. Euro 2004 was great, but England, prob- a bit like Euro 96, England, 
should have gone closer. Um, Euro 2008 didn't qualify. 2012 was a bit flat. 2016, Iceland. So I think they just thought, well, I think they just thought, well, England were at home. England did really well. Obviously, England were going to be at home this summer, by and large. It seems the obvious one to go for. And I think actually people quite like it, Luke. I think people quite like it that we're watching a generation who have all retired, haven't they? So if you played one 10 years ago, you might see a few players, oh, they're still knocking about. This yeah. is a generation that people, you know, say my son who's 20, 21, who loves his football, be going, you know, quite, oh, Steve McManaman's playing. You know, people like that they see on the television as pundits. Obviously, Tony Adams playing, David Seaman they see on ITV shows, Gary Neville, obviously. I think it's quite interesting for that generation, who obviously weren't born, to see people they now associate as pundits play uh, as players and they go oh they're quite good aren't they <laughs> yeah yeah i know what you mean I, I, I we've we've long we've long said on football ramble daily that um, there is a whole generation of people who probably only know gary lineker as the host of oh, match yeah. the day well, my son's really one know, yeah yeah absolutely yeah, don't know anything about him as a player so that's a that's a nice angle isn't it I, hey, he um, said what, to me the other day i can't remember who it was he actually said to me the other day, it was so and so good i went yeah he was really good went, okay because obviously he's on the telly you know they yeah. don't know what he's like as a player yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, probably I, a bit I, like me, to be fair, be like me saying, I don't know, uh, was Jimmy Hill a good player? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or something like that. Or was Terry, oh, Terry Venables a good player? Yeah, Terry yeah, Venables, exactly. obviously. Yeah. Terry Venables played for Tottenham, played for England. But, you know, yeah. was, oh, Terry Venables was a good player, was he? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Did you get, did you get when you spoke to the players involved, um, did you get a, a sense of real unfinished business, regret? Because because we talked, um, I talked to Danny Murphy uh, reasonably recently for a Ramble Meets, which will come out in the, in the near future. He talked a bit about how he left Liverpool and he said that, you know, a lot of players will say, I had no regrets in my career, but I do. And here's why. Was this something that came up with some of the guys from Euro 96? Uh, uh, it's, it's in, that's a really interesting question. They absolutely loved it and they love talking about it. They're obviously really gutted they didn't win it. But I think you can almost compartmentalise regret. And what I mean by that is they played so well against Germany and they lost on penalties. So I don't think there are regrets in the sense that they didn't, that, that they, you know, that they played badly and they got beaten 2 0 and, you know, they flopped on the big stage. Do you know what I mean? I think they're just, they're just really sad they didn't win it. But I don't think there's any self recrimination because probably a bit like Italia 90, because they played so well and it is penalties. And we all know it's not a lottery of penalties. That is the biggest rubbish in football. It's a, yeah. But we just, England didn't quite come out on top in that sense. Do you see what I mean? If they lost 2 0 and played rubbish, I think they'd have thought, oh, we really regret playing so badly. Tony Adams said they thought, he thought they were outstanding against. Germany so they're incredibly proud they love the experience they look back on it very fondly I think it's just oh, it's a shame we it's a shame we didn't win rather than oh god you know we bullsed up the biggest occasion of our life because I mean Luke I went to the semi-final and I said it to all the boys I've interviewed I hope I do go to a better atmosphere I really do but I haven't been to one since mm. I'm very lucky I've been to every football match you can think of and I'm very grateful for that and I've seen some astonishing games and astonishing comebacks and amazing atmospheres Liverpool and Istanbul you know Aguero's goal you know yada yada but in terms of a joyous goosebump hairs on the back of your neck colourful song banners occasion I've never been to an occasion like that the atmosphere was off the scale good mm. off the it scale good there's a really good video. I think it's still on YouTube of the TV coverage um, of that game. Yes. And it's completely different to the way that um, TV stations and production companies cover live football matches now. It's almost like five, ten minutes of just 
panning shots of the crowd and a couple of bits of voiceover, and that's it. It's not really yeah. that busy. It's very. It's got. It's been given a lot of time to breathe, and that what that does is that really builds the atmosphere for those at home as well. It's a fa- it's a fascinating thing to look I, back. I've on seen now. that. It's brilliant. It's, I think it's yeah. fair news. I think it's the BBC and Des Lynham, and I absolutely. I think. I think he says good evening, and then Lich, as you say, there's ninety seconds, two minutes of just of pitch of cuts to the camera uh, uh, to the crowd and everything yeah. that they're doing and that's what it was like being in there i mean it, it that's what it was like being in there it was just the most it was such a joyous atmosphere that's what i really want to get across it was incredibly joyous football of course is tribal and a football of course is partisan and if you go to the you, you know if you go to the cup final you're really behind your team but half the crowd aren't and half the crowd want you you know you know, the you know, we all know where they want you. But yeah. this, I don't remember. The, I don't know how many Germans were there, but clearly, ninety percent of the crowd was supporting England. There was no antagonism at all. I don't remember even any antagonism at the end. I remember Muller strutting, and it really yes. annoyed me. I yeah, just remember being really sad. Italia ninety. I was a student, and I drunk far too much, and I cried. But you know, <laughs> but but Muller strutting. I was just really sad. I went, oh no, not again. But it yeah. was such a positive atmosphere uh, throughout the whole tournament, and and the England Holland game. I took three mates. I literally landed back from the U.S. Open golf that morning. Went to Wembley. And England went four up, and I tapped my mates on the shoulder who weren't as passionate about football as me, but they were loved it. And I tapped and I pointed at the scoreboard. I went, chaps. Chaps, it says England four, Holland nil. Okay, this doesn't happen very often. Enjoy, enjoy this moment. Yeah, hasn't happened since probably. Um, no. what, what do you make? What do you make, Mark, of the um, of the people who who are a little bit revisionist about this tournament and say, well, you know what, England struggled in the opening game. Okay, they got past an average Scotland side. Netherlands were in disarray. They scraped through Spain and penalties, and they lost to Germany. It wasn't actually that good. What do you make of that? Because some people are of that opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, people say the same thing about Italian ninety, don't they? Absolutely, yeah. absolute rubbish in the group stage. Just got through with Mark Wright's header. You know, David Platt swivelled and beat Belgium, and then Cameroon self imploded. Listen, yeah. they weren't very good against Switzerland. They've all admitted to me they weren't very good against Switzerland, and they've all admitted to me that David Seaman's penalty. There's about two minutes, I think, something like that, between David Seaman's penalty save and Gaza scoring. That does transform the entire tournament. Yeah, but. So, so you know, but that that's the natural life of a tournament, isn't it? You never you never win the World Cup or the Euros in the group stages, do you? We've all seen, Luke, plenty of teams playing well in the group stages who don't win it because they peak too soon. So it is a question of riding the waves. Sure, England, were they were a bit lucky against Spain. Salinas is definitely onside. In VAR, yeah. in the Spain quarter, we're definitely onside. Tony Adams has a laugh about that. I said, the first time in your life, Tony, you played offside and it didn't work. He said, <laughs> yeah, sh-. he said but listen, George Graham always told us, shout loudly and glare at the linesman and quite often they'll put their flag up in some <laughs> sort of, you know, terrified reflex state. So sure, they didn't, but they were outstanding against Holland. And Tony Adams said to me and the others, just as good against Germany um, and, and very good against Scotland for, you know, for the last quarter of the game. You're not going to be 10 out of 10 every time, are you? And they were obdurate when they needed to be against Spain and held their nerve in the penalty shootout. So I bet you if we went back through every... Listen, Italy won the World Cup. Sorry, that was really Australian to say, listen, wasn't it? Bigger yeah. in When Italy won the World Cup in 1982, first World Cup, I remember I was 14. They were terrible early on. Terrible. Does anybody really care in Italy? They were terrible yeah, early on. They have on. a reputation to start as don't they? Yeah, I, 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 I think that's the damn quite- thing. It's France weren't very good. To... You 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 look at it. Look at it, Luke. France weren't very good in 1998. I bet you. I think they beat Paraguay on a golden goal, and they beat Italy on penalties in the knockout stages. They mm. really weren't that great early on. 
Well, France in 2018, they, they, they sort of transformed it when they brought Giroud on and changed the way mm. they played, didn't they? They didn't. Oh, the God, I watched the... one game for ITV. It was the worst game of all I've ever seen in my life. I think it was Denmark 0 0. I mean, honestly, you'd rather do your tax return. It was so <laughs> bad. Actually, but, you just you know, reminded me, I've actually got to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was going to say to you the old, the old Tony Adams appealing for offside. When I was a kid, I was always taught that um, if the referee's not sure, he'll give it to whoever shouts the loudest. Yeah. So it's the, same, it's the same principle, I guess. One thing that really, is I'm thinking about Mark because I am excited to watch some football as of course we all are um, but this Euro 96 thing it's a bittersweet thing for a couple of reasons one because England come so close and don't quite make it and also because there's no football at the moment when we should be building up to a big tournament so give me a little convincer as to why I should just chuck that to one side just just dive in feet first <sighs> Because I think we need something just to raise our spirits at the moment. And, I'm, and, I, and that doesn't have to be an England match, by the way, because you might just suddenly want to have a look at this France. Two years before the World, they win the World Cup, have a little look at France, see how they were, they were warming up for 1998 with Zidane. Uh, this is the last Euros that Scotland were in. They've only been in one tournament since then. We speak to Ali McCoyston and uh, Stephen Manaman for the England-Scotland game. Um, hot, you know, Holland, we spoke to Jordi Cruyff, who said they were split the Dutch team, not mm. he insists on racial lines. I have to emphasise that. So to answer your question, I think just a little dive in to see some players, to see some players like Poborski, as I said, Jordi Cruyff, who came to Man United as a result of that. I just think it's interesting. I just think it's just a little bit of a teaser. It's just it's something a little different. And because they're showing every game on ITV Hub, you can sort of almost imitate and mimic, can't you, the, the, the lifeblood and the beat of a tournament in the way that you can't when you just watch an individual game. Yeah, and some of the players on display are amazing. I mean, you think Desai, Maldini, Blanc, yeah. Gascoigne, McManaman, Deschamps, Rui Costa, Stoichkov. Rui Costa, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rui Costa and McManaman were definitely both in the uh, midfield the tournament. tournament of Team yeah. of the Tournament, yeah. And yeah. I think Deschamps was as well interesting, the old water carrier. He was in there yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, and the of thing course, is, Croatia. Sorry, Croatia's the other one as well. This, yeah. I think I'm right in saying this is the first time we'd seen Croatia, hadn't it, since the split up of the Yugos- since the split of Yugoslavia, and of course two years later they come third. So this is uh, Davos Suka definitely is to the fore in this in this tournament as well. So you know just beginning to see teams like Croatia emerging as their own entity. They found Suka. He's onside. Schmeichel's off his goal line. What trick can he come up with this time? Oh my word! <laughs> And what about a bit of a we can't we can't um, talk talk to you about this, Mark, without mentioning um, the Badil and Skinner three lines. Surely that gets a mention it at was, some point. It was just it just it captured the zeitgeist, is the word, isn't it? It really did. I mean, it was absolutely phenomenal, and that's as much as anything. I remember going to Wembley the couple of times I did go, particularly for the semi final. I mean, everybody was singing it, and. Um, so, I think Darren Anderton said that uh, England was staying at Burnham Beaches, which is sort of Buckinghamshire. So, a bit of geography, you know. You, if you know, I know you have lots of listeners abroad, but sort of just outside London to the north, and you come down on the, the motorway and the A roads. And he said, as they got near Wembley, Alan Shearer would always put three lines on in the in Brilliant. the coach. Oh yeah, so the players were listening to it. Oh, the players were absolutely into it. Yeah, it's crazy because um, that song was that song transcended. To such an extent that I remember reading that um, this is obviously in the time when the Labour government are about to come into power under Blair. The following mm-hmm. year, the 96 Labour Party conference, Tony Blair references it 
in his speech, in his keynote speech. Does That's he? How I didn't big know it that. Yeah, wow. and then and and then I feel. I mean, it's not very often I feel sorry for Simply Red, but their official <laughs> um, song, which was which was called "We're in This Together," which was supposed to be the official song of the tournament, um, which would have been a big thing for them because. Um, regardless of what you think of his musical contributions. Mick Huckner is, of course, a big football fan. It would have been a huge moment for him, but it's been completely overshadowed. If you played that Simply Red song to people, I don't think anyone would know what it was. Look, I didn't even know that Simply Red had a song which was the official <laughs> anthem. I, 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 I never knew this. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I never knew that. Well, that, that's, yeah. that's, that says it all, doesn't it? That absolutely yeah. says it all. Um, there was sometimes the fate of official anthems go that way. Completely not related, but... Um, uh, a couple of years later, England hosted the Cricket World Cup in 1999, and the official song, which I think was by Dave Stewart, is on the Arrhythmics, came yeah. out after England had been knocked out of the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know what? And in therefore, 2000... it never actually even it never even charted at all. In 2010, when we as the Football Ramble went to the World Cup in South Africa, by the time we got to Johannesburg, England were gone. Really? Yeah, because oh, we went and got for the second half of it, and yeah, uh, well. and that was that was looking back at it, that was just ridiculously ambitious. I'm afraid but, you what, didn't miss much. Do? That was miserable. <laughs> no, yeah. exactly. Mm. Although Fabio Capello thinks that um, had that goal by Lampard stood, it would have been a different game because he said that Germany mm. had a young team and they might have buckled. Mm, not sure about that. Mm, well, yeah, yeah. Well, there we are. What we we we'll, we'll never know. We'll never no. know. But listen, Mark, thank you so much for sharing that story with us because uh, we're looking forward to some Euro 96 um, coverage here at uh, Football Ramble Daily. So it's great to have you on to talk a bit more about it and get us excited for it. Um, so we're recording this episode on Monday, the 11th of May. The first game, England-Switzerland, came out today on TV, but it's available on ITV Hub to re-watch, presumably. And yes, then we're having, yes. And we're having games all the way through on ITV Hub throughout the summer. But, uh, but crucially, the England games are on ITV4. And Mark, you are presenting a series of interviews alongside some of the stars of that tournament for us all to get involved with as well. Is that right? Yeah, so we've got, so we've done, Tony Adams is out there already, as I say, best part of an hour, absolutely searingly honest and ends up talking about, you know, obviously Gareth Southgate's penalty miss and Tony's own personal story and his, and his own personal life and unravelling After that. By the way, the Southgate that. penalty miss that Tony Adams gave us the insight into is fascinating because he says, for those who haven't heard it, and apologies for the spoiler, but it's worth a listen anyway, of course, yeah. he says that Gareth wasn't, there was no pre-designed person to take it, he just stood up and said, I'll do it. And he was yeah, confident. You know, t- yeah, I mean, I, I think people might get a bit like, why weren't England better lined up? But amazing. England scored all five. Let's get yeah. this right. England were five out of five. as, And they scored all four against Spades. They hadn't missed one yet. So they got to number six. And Tony and uh, Tony says that he and uh, Terry Venables look at each other and go, right, what happens now? And Tony said, well, I'll take it. And Gareth went, I'll take it, Skip. So people say, well, why weren't England better planned? It's 24 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Let's let's, yeah. let's get over it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that. Um, and then, so for England-Switzerland, we've spoken to Darren Adderton and Ramon Vega and obviously gone back into what happened in the build-up. And uh, Darren Adderton loves Terry Venables, of course, because Terry bought him for Tottenham, but on the whole dentist chair. Scotland-England was a lot of fun. Steve McManaman and Ali McCoy, that was, that was tremendous. Yep, Steve talks about the dentist chair as well. But the whole game and the whole technical flexibility and obviously Gaza and Gary McAllister's penalty Miss and David Seaman. England against the Netherlands. We've spoken to Teddy Sheringham and Jordi Cruyff. Jordi Cruyff was very honest about what was going on in the in the Dutch camp at the time. They too uh, joined Man United after the Euros in the end, so they became teammates. So England, Teddy Sheringham was very interesting. He said that this is slightly different, I think, to the way that coaches are now. 
he said that that was obviously the last group game uh, that Terry Venables was almost fixated on that game from months ahead. You know how often we hear, don't mm. we, go, we've got to get through the first game and all that. Absolutely fixated on the tactical flexibility of the Dutch and how this would be the pivotal match. So that was really interesting. England-Spain, we got for two Englishmen, David Seaman and Stuart Pearce. Of course, Stuart Pearce. And to go back to what I was saying earlier, when, when I uh, at the wedding I was best man and we sprinted into the kitchen, and about 50 of us crammed into this kitchen, um, and, and Stuart Pearce picks the ball up and everybody just goes, oh, no, 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 no. And you yeah. felt like, Luke, the whole country was going, please don't miss Whatever yeah. happens, just you don't miss. Yeah. And obviously his sort of visceral primeval roar when he does score. Um, and Germany, England, we haven't, is the only one we haven't yet recorded, but we've got lined up Paul Ince and Christian Zieger. So, um, you Very know, nice. we're going to get some really, we've got some great, just really, and as I say, to a man, how um, energised and enthused, still talking about it today and, and how proud and, and how, you know, what the experience was like and how well England played. And Terry Venables and Don Howe, God rest his soul, how tactically, tactically flexible they were in all this as well. You know, on another day, England, Luke, if England had beaten Germany, you'd have fancied them to beat the Czechs, wouldn't you? It's another yeah. one that just got away. Yeah, I think it's the same in 90. You fancy England to beat Argentina. Oh, um, gotcha. I think 2018 is probably a different story. I think France would be very, very yes. strong in the final there. But look, it's, yeah. it's, it's what could have been, isn't it? But it'll be a fascinating trip down memory lane uh, f- for someone of my age. And if people are a bit younger, then it'll be a first glimpse probably into into a comprehensive look at that tournament, which was a fascinating one for lots of different reasons, but chiefly because England were actually all right, weren't they? They were quite good. A lot of likeable players, played some nice football as well. That's important. And the whole country got behind it. So it uh, could be a bit of a unifying thing for ITV to do as well. I- I think, I I think, yeah, and I think also, uh, as Tony Adams said, it was only four years, uh, three, four years into the Premier League. England hadn't staged anything since 1966. So England had all these, you know, increasingly wonderful stadiums. And yet, you know, England never got to stage anything. And there have been, you know, World Cups in obviously Germany and Italy and Mexico and everything, and even European championships in, you know, Belgium in 1980 and so forth. And England had, you know, France in 84. England never st- hadn't staged anything, certainly not in my lifetime. So actually the chance for England to show off and the players all said they love playing here and I think for a lot of them it really opened their eyes particularly Jordi Cruyff was really interesting on this what it was like and Ramon Vega therefore to, to for England to be an attractive place to come and play club football and they both came here afterwards obviously Ramon Vega went to Tottenham and then to Watford and I think that really opened the eyes of a Davos Suka went to play for Arsenal quite soon after this it, it opened their eyes for a lot of them oh actually England is a place where there are good grounds where there's fantastic support where there's good facilities you know the English aren't bad they reached the semi-finals I think it was really good for English and dare I say it, British football as well not just for the England team yeah, absolutely. Well said, well put. Um, thank you very much for sharing that with us, Mark. It's a, it's a fascinating insight. We'll look forward to to consuming all that stuff throughout uh, the next month or two. What, what are you up to now? A little uh, dicky bird tells me on the grapevine that you're a bit of a gardener these days. Uh, I, I, I'm, I am doing the classic lockdown, OK? If you, if, <laughs> honestly, I mean, I'm very lucky I live in the country. You couldn't be more classic lockdown than me. Gardening, yeah, which I really do enjoy. My, a greenhouse... Yeah, I've learned nice. to bake bread. I've learned to bake bread. Couldn't be more classic, could it? I'll send no. you a picture of my baguettes when we finish, Luke. That and sounds the third lovely. One, yeah, third one, classic. And I don't know why it's taking me so long. Literally yesterday, um, someone taught me how to play Texas Hold'em poker. Oh, there we go. See, that's yeah. great so stuff. People I mean, will be very jealous of this lifestyle yeah, you've got, Mark. Yeah, you couldn't get more classic lockdown, though, could you? 
No, did I, your wife, did your wife one, regularly only, send you down to the greenhouse, does she? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not taking myself <laughs> off. Yeah, it's great. I've only got one more thing to do for the classic uh, for the classic lockdown, which is a man of my age, increasing age, is to learn to meditate. And that's on my yes. list as well. I mean, really, I mean, it's, it's just I'm, I, I hold my hands up to cliche lockdown behaviour. <laughs> I think anyone who's watched you on live TV, Mark, mm. will be absolutely astonished to, th- to, to learn that you are not already a meditator. Now, I, do you know, I kept talking about it and I've still kept talking about it. I think because you've got to do it at the same time every day. And, and, and you know, I can't work out what that is because first thing in the morning when I get up, I like to go for a run first thing or, you know, get on with the day. So, yeah, and I think, you know, it's 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 a, such a weird time. Um, and I, I hope we don't have this time together. God, I hope we don't because it means, you know, because otherwise it means that we haven't sorted out what's going on. But mm. You said earlier, Luke, you know, those of us who are very lucky to be able to do things have to do it. And actually, one other thing I do once a week, we all do, all five of us in the family, we go and um, we go and cook something called Food for Heroes for the NHS. We go and cook to, for, to you know, for the local hospital NHS workers. It's a brilliant charity. I know I'm giving it a plug, but it's a brilliant charity, oh, national course. charity. And um, <laughs> the kid said, Dad, you're on potatoes and washing up. You know, you know your place <laughs> in the corner. You can put you can put Radio 2 on and, and boil potatoes. So, you know, I think it's important that we, we can do what we, we do what we can do while we're here. And um, and certainly my experience is living in a little village is, and I hope it's the same in big cities, that people aren't on their own, that, you know, there are lots of us here who are, you know, looking after the elderly and dropping in prescriptions and, you know what I mean, doing, helping yeah. them get online and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's all, that's really important. Really Great important. stuff, no. Well said, well put. And, and not only a fantastic uh, broadcaster, mm. an interesting guy to talk to, Mark, you're obviously a very noble man as well. We applaud you wow. for that. Thank you very much <laughs> for spending your time with us. And uh, get, get off and get that meditating going. I'm sure there's a couple of apps you can uh, download. Oh, yeah, no, there's that. Well, for, but before I do that, I've got to water the tomato plants. Don't forget those. Do <laughs> yeah, not yeah. forget those. Absolutely <laughs> right. Mark, thanks very much for your time, mate. It's good to speak to you. We'll speak to you again soon, I hope. My pleasure, Luke. Everybody stay well, stay happy, stay safe, everyone. Thank you, Luke. My pleasure as always. This was a Stakhanov production.